from Wichita's most listened to sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. This is Sports Daily with Jacob Albrock and Tommy Kester. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is a Friday edition of Sports Daily, TGIF, getting ready for a nice, beautiful weekend. Cannot wait. It's been a minute since we've gotten our nice weather on the weekend. Weird uh, February, but we're excited about it. Jake Balbrock here, Tommy Castor. It's a college basketball weekend. All the teams we follow are in action, so we can get into that as we make our way through. Um, lots of good stuff coming for you today. We're going to tell you about a competition Uh, to win some things with us today, some contests, some giveaways, all kinds of good stuff will be coming for you on that KFH hotline. So make sure you have it handy uh, at 869-1240. We'll tell you what's happening this weekend as far as our networks here as well. Tommy, happy Friday. How are you? I'm good. I was thinking about what you just mentioned. It seems like when the weather's been really nice outside, I've been swamped and busy and can't do anything. But when I'm free, the weather's been so I'm glad that this weekend, I don't have much going on. Uh, I know you and I, we're going to go uh, watch some college basketball tomorrow down at the casino. We'll go down there and watch some games, do some betting. Should be fun. Yeah, it'll be the first time I've been out there to do it. And I love sports books, so I'm excited to see that. It's a, it's a, a random week off from my third grade girls basketball coaching duties. Uh, so a little window there, and yeah, we're going to go enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to that. Listen, as somebody in the iced tea business, I've been well aware of these weather patterns, and it has been wild in February. February in general has been a warm February, but not on the weekends. Like It's like we get all this sunshine and great weather, and then we hit the weekend, and it's cloudy or it's cold or whatever. Uh, the good thing about all of it is we've we've gotten a lot of rain in the last little while, so that's been really nice to see. But I am ready for some sunshine on a weekend. So, of course, that we can go sit inside and watch college basketball. Uh, but, you know, the rest of the weekend, outside of that, we'll, we'll be outside enjoying that weather. Uh, I, I feel like a cat. Like when that sun comes out, I just want to go sit in it. But the other problem is, speaking of that, all our trees and flowers are fooled. So I don't know about you, Tommy. Like my allergies are about two weeks ahead of schedule here. Normally, so I didn't have, I didn't have any allergies growing up because in the Texas Panhandle, there are no trees. And apparently, tree pollen, for me, is an allergy thing. And so, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, what? Like, what is this? This is allergies. Like, I'm sneezing all the time. What's happening? Normally, since I've lived here, it lines right up with March Madness. Like, when I would be on the road or whatever, it was always when I was on the road. So, we're like two weeks ahead. So, with the sunshine, uh, I'll power through it and listen to my wife nag me for how often I'm sneezing uh, because the sunshine will be worth it. Tommy, something that came down, or at least that I saw at the very end of our show yesterday, uh, that involves the CFP, and involves the CFP and the reorganization of college sports, you can bet that we're going to talk about it here. But there's already talk, and Fitz mentioned this yesterday, about, you know, we got the 5-7, and we all like that, but then what comes? Because that's only good for the 24 and 25 season. That model's good for two years and then now they have to figure out what happens after, you know, for 2026 and moving forward. So I think they're all just sort of you know, brainstorming a bit with this right now. But there has been talk of expanding the playoff one more time. 
um, to 14 or 16 teams. I and like automatic qualifiers from each of the leagues. So I, I kind of wanted today just like so as we're reimagining this, and I know we're already going to get the change that's going to make it so much better. So if they're going to change it one more time, and that one looks like it's going to be the one that sticks for a while, like what is our best case scenario for this? Just like in a personal opinion, like what would be the best way to do this? And so, you know, I I, I think about this stuff all the time. Like what would I prefer? You know, in Division Two, where I covered for a lot, went to school at a Division Two school, followed it while I was in school, followed it for a long time after I was out of school. I mean, the playoff, it's, I think it's 32 teams or, or 24, something like that. And I never had a problem with it. Now, they break it down into region, and then they break each region into eight teams. So eight teams from regions get in. Now, I don't think you need to do that. But I will say, 16 has always felt like the number to me. I didn't have to have 16. Like, I'm fine with 12. I'm totally okay with 12. It needed to be more than four, certainly. I probably would have been okay with eight, but, I, but I'm definitely okay with 12. But I think I'd be even better. Um, I, I think I'd be even better with 16 because it, it, it does. Like, you know, all you do is miss the buy. Here's the other thing about getting a bigger playoff, Tommy. And I think this is and, – and look, I'm just talking about from like – a fan's experience and everything else. Not not the players, certainly. There's too big a gap between the end of the of the regular college football season and when we get to college football's postseason. And one of the cool things about like in Division Two and and it's this way in the FCS too, is you get right into the playoff because you have to you have to cover the games, right? Like you have to get the games in. And so if you went to sixteen and maybe you only have a week off between conference championships and the playoff beginning, I do think that would be better for the sport, right, for for the fans, for the viewership and all of those things, money, all that stuff, because you'd keep the momentum. I, I they're, they, it, they kill momentum. I mean, it takes so long to get to the national championship game. I feel like if that game was played – you know, two, three weeks after the end of the regular season, you would see people way more locked in to a national championship. At that point, you're kind of competing with the NFL, coming down the home stretch, all these things. So as I imagine, what would be the best? I do think it would be 16. And then how you get to 16 is another part of the equation. But where are you on the number? I think if you're going to go any bigger than 12, whether they go to 14, you know, after the first couple of years of 12, if they go to 16, I think you could maybe even go to 20, depending on what that number is. If you go bigger than 12, I would be okay with that. But then I also think that it's okay to build in an incentive for the top four teams, do a bye week you know, for the, for the first two teams, or you, you don't have to play in that first round, you know, because I think that if you're doing like, let's say you do 16 teams and then you've got the top four and that can be a big reveal like we do every single year for the top four. Those four teams don't have to play in round one of the playoffs. They can rest, they can get ready, whatever. And then you've got five through 16 that are then matched up to move on to the next round. So I think if you go any bigger than 12, you probably then need to build in, at least I would be okay with some kind of bye week or incentive or something for the top four teams. But you'd have to, because in a 16, 16, 8, 4, 2, 1, 
I don't know how you could do that with 16. You'd almost have to have 14 or 18, 18. to do yeah, that. Yeah, you could do something like that. Um, and 14 would be interesting. I don't – because how many would that give a buy to? The, the only problem with that is determining who gets the buy could get a little bit messy. And so unless you're going to figure out a way to give four buys, right, for the four conference champions, so then you would need – you could go – is that what we're going to get with 12? That's what we're going to get with 12, right? We're going to get with 12, yeah. Four buys? Mm-hmm. I, I think at that I, point— I, No, you, we're getting, or is we're it getting just, two buys. I think it's two buys. And then you go down to—and then and then so you'd have two on, so 12 play to six—no, sorry, so 10 play to five, and then yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. whatever that number is off the top of my head, I, I would be okay with that. I would be okay with giving— the the conference championship game winners, those four buys. I'm fine with that. It doesn't need to be more than that. And those would be the teams that need to get it. End of story. Like that is your that is your reward for winning your conference championship game. It keeps the college championship. It keeps those conference championship games yeah. valid too. So we yeah. need to figure out what that number is. I'm not because smart then if you don't do that, if you don't do that, and you go to 16 or 18 or whatever that number is, you go to those teams then. What's the incentive throughout the year for a team to try to be as high as possible in the rankings when it comes time for the playoffs? You know, seeding, I know matchups and all of that, but from a seeding perspective, if you can try to get in, and that's what I love about the NFL is that you've got the top team that gets a bye going into the playoffs. So I'm okay with that being an incentive. You got something cooking there. So if it's, we'll do the math during these breaks to figure out whatever the number is that gives the four conference champions a buy. Uh, Bear with us on that. I can't do that for whatever reason. I'm stuck in my head on that. Uh, But we'll have some time to do it because up next, the voice of the K-State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, joins the program. Always love our visits with Wyatt. We'll get his take on that. Uh, He's obviously a big college football guy chasing the cats. I want to get his take on that and uh, moving the Big 12 tournament to Vegas. All there's, there's a lot of little things, of course, and then college basketball on the men's and women's side to talk about with Wyatt. We'll do that next here on Sports Daily. information on Kansas State. Let's go now to the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. All right, welcome back in everybody. Wyatt Thompson joining us, voice of the Wildcats. Always appreciate these visits from Wyatt. It is a very busy time and a lot of different things to hit and we will get to basketball in a minute, Wyatt, but we've had other news items pop up this week that I want to get your take on. We've got a new location For Big 12 Media Days, we have a new finalized format at least the next couple of years in the CFP. It's uh, it's Mm -hmm. been it's been a busy time, Wyatt. Let's start with let's first start with the CFP. So we know it's 12 teams and and now we know it's going to be a five and seven model, which certainly benefits K-State, certainly benefits the Big 12, uh, something that I have been very very nervous to to make sure this happens but now that it's happened how much buzz and excitement do you think that adds to this uh, to this next season knowing that in that format we've got really two schools in this state that have a legitimate chance to reach the college football playoff 
Well, first of all, good to be on with you. I love the subject, and I think you're right on task there because I think everybody is excited about it. it it's such a wonderful change from my perspective uh, for the entire college football landscape. I, I just have always felt like, you know, four wasn't enough. Uh, it needed to be more than that. I don't know that we have all of the answers yet on how the bowl season will 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 work, but that's okay. I, I think with the expansion of this, you are absolutely right. It is going to give teams like Kansas State and Kansas and Oklahoma State and those types of teams even more to get excited about between now and the 1st of August when, when camps start. Do you think that there is a number that can get too big for this, Wyatt? Do you think that uh, obviously they're moving to 12, but I know that there's been speculation that after the first couple of mm-hmm. years it could move to 14. Do you think it could get too big? Well, I got asked that this week on the basketball tournament. I know you guys have been keeping up with yeah. that, too. There's a lot of talk out there uh, about expanding the tournament. And I actually asked Coach Tang about it on the radio show last night, and he said he's all for it because at the end of the day, as, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit on what he said, but it is a player's game, and that's what they play for, so why not? And he, he, he made an interesting point. Let's say we, we get to 100 teams out of the 350-ish that play. Uh, how many more games are we really adding? Um, probably not that much to the 64 to 68 that, that make it now. I thought it was a pretty good point. I, I don't know that you can get too much more above 14 or 16 in the, in the college football playoff. How do you guys feel about that? Because I, I think that would be about a – Probably about as good as it would get. Yeah, I, that's sixteen's always been the number that stuck in my head. So, I, you know, I went to a Division two school, Wyatt, and well versed in yep. their large playoff format. I believe it's thirty two. I think they go four regions and eight teams get in from each region. I don't think it has to be that big, but I'll also say right. it was a lot of fun. But I think sixteen could be there. Tommy brought up a good point before, just before we came on with you, which is why this is top of mind. Maybe they're whatever the number is to get the four conference champions, like a first round buy, but to reward mm-hmm. winning a conference championship and add emphasis to those conference championship games. So maybe whatever the number is that gets those four a buy, and with that, I guess that would be either 12 or or whatever it ends up being, but guarantee that I'd be good with that too, because I do think that reward could be valuable. And the other part is like, whatever the number is to push this thing closer to the end of the regular season and not have that gap. I also think benefits the sport. I don't know if it benefits the players, but it definitely benefits the sport and the fan experience to get it closer without the gap in between. Yeah. I I think those are really good points. And let me start with the one about rewarding the four Uh, conference champions I really think that you know we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit Um, maybe not totally in all leagues but but I think there should be value in that because that's what you're really playing for to start with you know at least from my perspective not everybody would agree with that but you know what's one of the first goals for 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 K-State or KU win the Big 12 be bowl eligible win the Big 12 get into the playoffs I, I think it's as simple as that. I, I really like that. I also agree with the fact that, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where they do need a little bit of a break. And I, I respect and understand that. I'm talking about the players. 
But I do think that that gap is pretty wide. I mean, K-State went from late November to, <laughs> you know, the bowl game. That, that's a pretty long stretch without uh, with, without really doing a whole lot uh, other than about 15 practices. So I, I'd like to see that tightened up just a little bit. That's just me. Well, you mentioned the Big 12, Wyatt. Uh, of course, the other big news this week, media days for football moving to Vegas away from uh, Dallas, your, your take on all of this moving to, to Las Vegas and kind of that spectacle that media days has become. Well, I will be blunt about this. I was really surprised that it happened until I found out that there was some scheduling issues in Dallas. Uh, we, we, I think know that uh, commissioner Yormark is kind of one of those guys that, is a marketing person and, and likes uh, thinking big and globally and those kind of things. So uh, I'm not that surprised that, that that's happened from, from that standpoint. Um, uh, the only downside for me, I don't think it's that really a big deal. If, if you're in Kansas or whatever, or Iowa, and you're going to go to Vegas to, to cover uh, big 12 football for a couple of days, is it that big a deal for the UCFs of the world and the uh, West Virginias or no? How do you, how do you guys feel about that? Cause I, I that's a pretty long little, little John, but, but well, you don't, I, you you know, don't have to go we, either. We, and we wondered about this yesterday cause we, we mm-hmm. saw it and we're like, well, I certainly hope the big 12 basketball tournament, which is coming up stays in Kansas city forever. And Tommy brought up the good point of that being centrally low, you know, located for fans. But are yeah. fans really that interested in the media days? You know that better than anybody. I mean, are is it too? I don't think it's that big a deal for the teams to fly across on, in the middle of the summer. Are Agreed. fans really coming to media days anyway? Like, do is it that big a concern on location as far as that goes? I would tell you that the answer to that would probably be yes in the SEC, uh, and a little bit less from the Big Ten. But that has not really ever been much of a factor from my perspective in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I would tell you that my counterparts around the league, most of us go. There are a couple that consistently don't. And I don't necessarily think that they, you know, absolutely have to be there. Uh, it's it's a scheduling conflict for both of the guys. One of them actually, Toby's leaving the league and going to the SEC. So maybe that'll change for him. But uh, yeah, I, it's a good point because I think, um, if I'm being honest, the media, most of the media guys, gals are, are going to love going to Vegas. I think, uh, yeah. I'm not the world's biggest gambler, <laughs> so it probably isn't that big a deal for me, but I'm, I'm not anti Vegas either. I did the Las Vegas bowl on national radio this year out there and, and absolutely loved it. I loved the facility, loved the game. It was great. How much of this, Wyatt, do you think uh, is Brett Yormark continuing to, you know, wanting to try to make the Big 12 a more national brand? I mean, we know about what he's doing in Mexico for basketball Mm -hmm. uh, next year and all of that. I mean, it seems like it's been a big focus of his to take the Big 12 away from just being a regional conference and really trying to have it compete with the big boys. It would be my opinion that that's kind of been the goal all along. He he is a global thinker in the little bit that I've been around him. I've probably had more discussions with Gene Taylor, the athletic director here at K-State, about Brett Yormark than I've had with Brett, you know, in a one-on-one scenario. But there was a, a couple of times where, where he was on our campus and, and part of a, a weekend scenario there. And 
one of those times I had an opportunity to do a really neat Q&A with him for about 30 minutes, and he was very engaging not only with me but with uh, some of the, the donors here at Kansas State and some of the fans. And I just think that's what he is. He, he's a <laughs> By nature, he's a marketing NBA guy and thinks big picture. Um, um, I, I know some have criticized him a little bit for the – for the Mexico thing, but if you can grow this and make it more national and to a degree international, I think you do. I just, that's the way I believe. Yeah. I mean, I, in, and he's getting all kinds of different, look, I don't know what's going to happen with one more curveball for you. And then we can talk college hoops. I don't know what's going to happen with this potential sports mega network that's happened or, or that's being rumored about, but like things are constantly changing. And if that, you know, impacts at all, some of these TV deals and everything else, based on the way we've seen, however long it's been now, I guess about 18 months of Brett Yormark, I, I'm glad he's there because I just don't think any of this is going to be simple. And his forward thinking seems to be the way to think about it because it could mm-hmm. all change again if something like that happens. I agree with that, and I would augment what you're saying by saying there's this. I think if you go back a little bit in time, right after he became the commissioner of the Big 12, uh, he basically extended the television rights agreement uh, with with the TV partners of Fox and ESPN and ABC, and I think that strengthened the league. And it wasn't that much longer after that you started to see, you know, the the issues with the Pac-12. Uh, with, and this is just my opinion now, uh, exceptionally poor leadership. And now here you are all of these months later and you see what's happened. Uh, So I think you have to be aggressive, uh, but smart. Uh, There's always a fine line in everything, I suppose. But again, I I think he has done a really good job. The people that I talk to around the league, I think would, would uh, say that also. Um, And he, he does, want that big 12 brand out there you mentioned about the tournament in kansas city i do have to say i think he's he's well i'll say it this way <laughs> I, I think he was blown away at what the tournament was in his first year last march and uh, i'll be anxious to talk to him again this time and and see how that goes I, I think he was surprised by the attendance and just the you know the the fans and the response to the power and light and all that stuff it, it's a Kansas City is a great basketball city, guys. You know that. It has been forever and ever. I mean, there have been a lot of Final Fours played there over the years, years ago, and uh, they love their basketball here. Just a fact. Well, let's talk more basketball, Wyatt. Uh, Since we talked to you last, a a rough week for the Wildcats, a three-point loss on a last-second shot against TCU on Saturday. Big Monday, uh, you know, just a quick turnaround for Kansas State, a six-point loss to Texas on the road. They're back at home now tomorrow, BYU. They played BYU a couple of weeks ago, a six-point loss uh, to them in Provo, and now BYU comes to Manhattan. Uh, Just take me through this last week for Kansas State from your perspective. I know it's been a rough stretch of basketball for them. Uh, What do you think it's going to take for Kansas State to turn things around starting tomorrow? Well, that's the question I get from virtually everybody, and I I don't think there are easy answers to this, to be honest. Uh, It is a team that I think is continuing to try to get better, Um, and and they've they've focused on a lot of little things, you know, that, that and they, the guys kind of have that chant of everything matters, right? And what, whether it's taking better care of the ball, 
better cuts, better shots, more effort, uh, all of those kind of things are on the table. The frustration comes in where you, you do play, <laughs> I thought, a really good game in Austin on Monday night defensively, but because of the deficiencies that they had offensively and the lack of just putting the ball in the basket, it made for another frustrating close loss. I mean, if you'd have told me that going in, uh, they would hold Max Asmus to 3 of 10 and Tyrese Hunter 3 out of 10, who wouldn't have taken that, right? The K-State shoots just under 36%. Texas shoots 36%. And there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of difference between the two. But yet Texas kind of led throughout. And, I mean, the best K-State was in the game was 4-4. They never led. Just So there's there's a lot there. I, I, I'm impressed by the fact that they continue to, to fight and grind. Uh, and, and yet, you know, they're probably – I'm being honest, they're, you know, they're beat down a little bit and, and still right, wrong, or indifferent. They're still talking about putting some things together here. One of the things that was mentioned yesterday, Hey, we were four and one to start the league. Can we go four and one to finish? Stranger things have happened. You wouldn't bet on it probably, but we'll see. It's, um, I I keep saying it's not impossible, but it's certainly improbable. I do think there is enough meat left on the bone, but it's got to be just about perfect. When the Athletic last year did a really nice job sort of going through, and this would have been before last year's tournament, but going through and seeing historically like some of the worst net ranking teams who've made it in, some of the best Mm -hmm. net ranking teams who haven't made it in, and one of the big things that stands out, I think, in all of that is how many quad one wins you have. And we know those are the most valuable thing. And I think, right, we know KU or we know K-State will get at least a couple of them with KU and Iowa State. I think probably BYU at home still is one, and Cincinnati on the road might be one too, plus whatever you get in the conference right. tournament. And so they have where they have three quad one wins right now, but they're going to have an opportunity. And some of those teams that made it in despite bad net rankings, I, you know, some of the, one of the numbers that stood out was five quad one wins. K-State's got an opportunity to go pile up some quad one wins and give at least the committee a chance to look at that and say, God, they, you know, they got a bunch of these, these big high big time wins. I, I think that's the ticket. I think it all matters just how many of these good teams they can beat down the stretch. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there because if you look at what's left, you probably take West Virginia off the table because they're 145 in Ken Palm and 151 in the net. Yeah, that that doesn't help. But when you look at Cincinnati, they're 45 in the net, 41 in Ken Palm. Uh, Then you got Kansas is 17 in both. You got BYU who's 11 in the net, 15 in Ken Palm, and Iowa State is eight and nine. (laughs) So. You're right. It, uh, impossible? No. Improbable? Probably. Uh, and but yet that's there's enough there, like you say, meat on the bone to to just keep striving and trying. And that's at this particular point, that's all you can do. And you just have to hope that um, you know you can kind of get back to the way they were playing when they were 14 and four and four and one. No guarantees of that, but that's the goal. Well, and it seems like, and I know we talked about this before uh, from week to week as we've had you on the improved effort on the boards and and rebounding for the Wildcats. And even though they were out-rebounded on Big Monday against Texas, to me it seems like they've really improved that part of their game. And, you know, so if that's one area that we've seen improvement on, 
then I'd like to think at least down the stretch, you know, there are other areas that they can, you know, keep that kind of foot on the gas and continue to move forward in that direction. Yeah, I, I, you said a lot there, I think, because I, I, listening to that, it, it makes me think about some of the things that I've heard Coach Tang say about his team. Uh, he, he's seen Tyler Perry in the last few games be a little bit better in, in several different areas. We've seen David Gasson, as an example, just give terrific effort playing on <laughs> one bum knee that's, that's bothering him quite a bit pain-wise, but he's fighting his way through it. Uh, Will McNair still needs to be a little bit more um, consistent with his stuff. And, and, and some would say, you know, he is what he is, and that's not going to change a whole lot. But if it changes even just a little bit, so many of these games have come down to a couple of two or three possessions that, hey, you, you have to kind of think positive about it. At least that's the way I see it. And I, I know Coach Tang is thinking that way. So we'll see how it plays. But for me, um, I, 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 I'm concerned about Saturday just because of BYU and how they play. And I just think they're a really nice team. So K-State will have to play well. To, and if they do, then you get West Virginia. Then then you're off a few days and go to Cincinnati. Hey, who knows if you can get that one. Now you're down to those last couple of two or three games. So we'll see. Wyatt, let's talk about the women here, too, for just a second. Aoka Lee's yeah. incredible. Um, she... <laughs> She she's doing it. It seems like with a bum leg or two. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is she going to be able to be healthy? And do they need her to be? I, I just am trying to like I'm trying to get a realistic expectation of what kind of run they could make. I think they really can if she's good to go. Do you have you heard like is there a chance that she's completely healthy or is she going to have to play limited like she did very well? Uh, the other night against West yeah. Virginia. Yeah, a lot of people would not get put up what 34 and 12 or whatever it was in 25 minutes if they're not totally healthy. But I do think she's going to fight her way through this. Um, Yoki's just been a really a, a unique young lady to be around, and I'm not as around her as much as as Brian and and Matt are calling the women's games. But I, I've dealt with her on the Catbacker tour, and I see you know, as many games as I can and still do my work with the men. And she's just, I mean, I don't know if you got to see the game the other night with West Virginia, but I don't know that I've ever seen her so cut in and so emotional about, you know, wanting to win a game. There were a couple of times the other night in watching that I had never seen her react like that on an and one or something. And I mean, she was just pumped. I think she has a pretty good feel for this team that they could be, uh, good enough to make a deep run. And she desperately wants to be a big part of that. Um, and and she's, <laughs> if she can fight her way through it and be anywhere in the vicinity, a hundred percent to me, then it, it comes down to everybody else kind of doing what they do. And if they get the right matchups and, and make, make shots. And, and I know that's easy to say, but Serena Sundell has played really well and really solidly for them this year. The Glenn twins are good. I mean, think about the other night when Serena goes down, Terrence Sides, the freshman, comes in and makes a monster three uh, and steals the ball from one of the best players in the league. So they've got pieces. It isn't just Yoki, even though she gets all of the or most of the credit. Uh, but but they're they're different with her certainly, and clearly different without her. We, they need her on the floor. 
Yeah, they need everybody on the floor. We know the women's tournament is <laughs> yeah. a grind. We're just excited about it because it's, you know, in in the you know decade or so I've been here, this is, you know, probably the first time not just with K-State, but really any of the teams that we follow that we've got a women's mm-hmm. team that looks poised to be able to make real noise in that tournament. And everybody's really excited yeah. about it, and, and we're hoping that, that they can make that kind of run. It's just something... You know, it's been a long time in this region that we've been able to yeah. see something about that. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, they, and they've got a really big game, you know, Sunday in Lawrence too. And 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 KU's, you know, they've been a little more up and down. But I tell you, when they were here, um, Yoki didn't play. Aoka Lee didn't play, and and their big girl got hurt early. Uh, hopefully, they'll both be able to go. That. <laughs> I don't know if you guys want to drive to Lawrence to watch a good women's basketball game, but there yeah. would be one there on mm. Sunday afternoon. That's for darn sure. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's been something we've been following closely. I love it. I'm a I'm a huge women's basketball Absolutely. fan. Uh, growing up. All right, Wyatt. So you guys have um, you guys have the game this weekend. BYU got to have it. Noon is when the broadcast starts. Uh, you don't have to make all that trip to Utah. So what do you guys have in, coming up on the second round with the Cougs? Well, it's going to be interesting because uh, we'll have some pregame comments, as always, from Coach Tang. We'll have the coach with the scout, um, just kind of a breakdown of what's happening in the league. Um, and we didn't talk that much about the Big 12, but you guys and everybody listening knows what it's been like. I mean, KU's at home this weekend against Texas. You've got Houston playing really, really well. Iowa State playing really, really well. We'll headline some of that stuff. And then we turn right around and play Monday night at 6 o'clock, too. So, um, I've, I've got a baseball uh, TV broadcast to do on Sunday too, so it's going to be kind of a fun weekend here. We've, we've got baseball to, uh, home opener today, and uh, play tomorrow afternoon and and Sunday after or Sunday morning. Actually, they moved it to 11 a.m. So weather's supposed to be a little windy, but warm. We'll take it. Oh yeah, we can take the whiz, Kansas. We'll take February wind as long as it's warm. Wyatt, uh, enjoy it all. We'll be looking forward to the call tomorrow. Uh, again, you can catch it. Pre-game coverage begins at 12 o'clock right here on KFH. Enjoy the home weekend, Wyatt. We'll talk next week. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Um, always appreciate those visits, and if you missed any of it, you can go catch them on the Odyssey app uh, to check it out. I still can't come up with the number, Tommy, of giving the four conference champions buys in expansion. You can do it with 12 but I don't know what the next number, how how big you have to go to keep it. I can't, I can't make the bracket. I, I don't know what the number is. I, I'm having a hard time with it. I'll I'll crunch some numbers during the break okay. and see need, if I can come up with something. I'm gonna need uh, your geometry skills. What math? I don't even know what math that would be. But uh, we'll get to that. We'll continue that conversation. Uh, as well. Hey, by the way, KFH and Taco Bell have your chance to win a trip for two to the College Hoops Championship Tournament in Kansas City, March 13th through 16th, to cheer on our Kansas, Texas, and Oklahoma and Iowa teams. The trip includes two all-session tournament passes and three-night hotel accommodations. To enter, simply text TBBIG to the number 20357. Want a complimentary breakfast burrito? Go to kfhradio.com, click on the events page, download the voucher, and then head to any Wichita and surrounding Taco Bell locations, with the exception of Hutchinson. Your chance to see the College Hoops Championship Tournament and snag a complimentary breakfast burrito from Taco Bell happens here on KFH. Don't go away. We'll be back. More Sports Daily right after this.
All right, welcome back in, everybody. Appreciate uh, Prairie Fire Coffee for keeping us fired up. Mornings at KFH. The staff enjoys those great cups of Prairie Fire Coffee. All right, uh, Tommy has crunched the numbers and can enlighten me here now. Okay, Tommy, so how do we maintain that we can get four conference championships uh, champions a bye, but potentially expand the playoff? How big would we have to go to get that? So you'd either have to stay at 12 to make that work, or you'd have to go all the way to 24. That's basically the only way that the math yeah, works you don't to have do all that. four teams get a, a, an opening round bye. Now, something you could do, potentially, if you wanted to, hypothetically, is give the top four teams a bye, but then make the bottom four teams all play an extra game. That's kind of the way it works like in the American Conference basketball tournament. The bottom four teams have to play in an opening round before it goes into you know the the actual tournament so you could do that and then at that point you're kind of you're eliminating a handful of teams and then the math works out a little bit better so you would have the top four teams at the top get a buy but then the bottom four teams have to play an extra game so how many would it take to go under that scenario you could do that with you could do that at like 18 i think yeah Six, 16 so, or 18 yeah i think it maybe work for 16 honestly um, now, the other I, thing you could do is you could have the top two teams get a buy as opposed to the top that's going to see. And I think that would get complicated because then you're going to get this SEC Big Ten thing going again. So I, I think I think if you do it, you got to do it for all four. I don't think the fifth highest ranked or how, you know, the, basically the, the Cinderella team. I don't think that that team needs it. Um, I do think that you can you know, reward the five conferences that drive this thing. I have no issue with that whatsoever. And I do think it does add a lot to getting that conference championship one. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about adding then, you know, if a team has to win two games to get to a national championship now, you'd need to add, what, three uh, games to get there. So you'd, you'd really add one to two games to a team's schedule. I don't think I have any issue with that because you could figure out a way, again, in my world, in these postseason games to somehow profit share with the players, right? So that's how you easily, you know, settle the... Which, again, I think it's a silly argument anyway because at all the other levels of college football, they do play these longer playoffs and it's never been a concern. But But if that is a concern, and I'm fine with it being a concern then just figure out a way to revenue share to some degree to, to incentivize it for players, just like you do for coaches, right? Coaches get incentives all the time to play in these games. Just do something for the players. And I think we could get there. So I, I'm, I'm fine with an expansion. I'm fine with the idea of it. I do think 12 is fine for right now, too. It, but, but look, guys, like expansion's coming. Here, what will happen here? is they're about to find out just how valuable this thing is, and then it will expand for the same reason that all sports expand their postseasons to some degree because it makes them more money, and the reality is it is better for us as fans. It, it just is. We, we enjoy it more. It makes the sport relevant to more teams across the country for longer. I mean, it's, it's better for everybody, and if you think it's watered down, I don't know what to tell you, except that people say that, but then they still consume it the same way, right? Like, I, I don't think it is at all. You know, it, it will be, you'll, you'll enjoy more of the season, I think, for longer than you would have before. And I guess I would just say, trust me, or look to all the other sports as a good example of that. Like, baseball, 
I, I if anybody out there's being honest, Tommy, like who doesn't love the added wild card and the added like. You know, it's been a weird road to get where baseball is in the postseason now, but man, it's better. It is. It allows more teams the opportunity to get in, which is always good. So it's being uh, discussed now that we go to 12, already how to expand again, which shouldn't surprise anybody. That's the way of the world. Uh, let's give away some HTO on the way out here. And as we get into hour number two and begin to look ahead at the college basketball weekend. Uh, We'll do it for our first caller to the KFH hotline. We'll give you a free iced tea and a free brew house coffee. The iced tea good at East East or West Wichita and in Derby, the brew house for East Wichita and in Derby. Good luck, everybody. Jad will get us a winner. We'll come back. Hour number two of Sports Daily on a Friday. Coming next. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's hour number two of Sports Daily. We're, we're talking during the break about this playoff. It's got our juices flowing. Give us a call, 869-1240. Uh, let us know. Like, what's your perfect scenario? Because we, so, so here's where this came from. We know it's going to 12. We get the great news that it's 5 and 7. It's great news for our teams around here. But now there's discussions because that only goes for the next two years. What comes next? And they're already toying around with some of the ideas of, you know, what you do and how you do it. So, you know, 16's always stood out to me as, like, this great number because it's it's an even number. You have a 16-team bracket. But I do think Tommy brought up a buy, uh, the potential for buys. And at 12 teams, you could have the four, you know, power conference champions get a buy. And I think that's pretty smart to do that. I don't – that's not quite that simple, I don't think, this year and how that will work. But I think in the future you could do that and just – directly tie those buys to those conference championship game winners. The reason that I'm starting to fall in love with this idea is because it adds incentive to the conference championship games, which I do think are an important part of college football. And so now Tommy did the math and you got to get to like 20 to make it work or, or more to be able to have four buys and then those teams go on to an even number to play out through. That seems, look, if they went to 20, it's not going to hurt my feelings. You will not hear me complain about it. I'd be fine with it. I do think it's not quite necessary, though, to get that big, Um, especially in college football. So how do you do it then? And Jad, you brought up a good point about 16. So what, what was your point on 16? Well, it's just a nice even number for a tournament. I mean, yeah. it, it works out bracket-wise with no buys. It's just perfect. And that may be where they land. but it, And so the reason that, my, that Tommy's got me thinking about this now with the buy thing, the, the problem I would have there, and I think this would become a problem. So imagine in a 16-team playoff, uh, it's a year where you have, let's say, uh, you know, I, and I, I can't remember how the how it lines up, but basically you have two SEC teams playing in their conference championship game that are, you know, shoe in, no doubt about it, right? And it's not even a situation where, like, 
uh, hosting a game is on the line. Like, let's say they're number one and number two, which is possible, right? Or number one and number three in the CFP. Well, winning your conference championship game at that point doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, seeding matters to some degree based on home field. And I don't know, do we, we probably don't know this yet, but how many like home games these teams will get to have on the way to whatever it ends up being. So that's an important part of it too. If you've got home field tied to it, then you do have some incentive and maybe that's as simple. But if you don't have anything tied to it, there's that game gets watered down a little bit because both of those teams are in anyway. And so if you if you incentivize it with a buy, you better believe they're, that's that's important, right? Home field might be the way to solve that. And maybe you just play them as home games. I mean, that's that's what they do at the lower levels. They play home games. And then at a certain point, you go to neutral site. Maybe when you get to four, you go to neutral site. But for the two games prior to that, they're home games. Maybe then that's enough incentive to win that conference championship game. But otherwise, you do have that situation where you've watered those down. And there's always been talk about that, right? These getting watered down anyway, and are they even necessary? Are, are they even accurate as these leagues become so big? I think that they are. I think they're even more important now as you don't have round-robin scheduling, as you don't have leagues playing everybody in the league. I think the conference championship games become even more important. I just want to make sure that those are an important piece still to the formula we have to get to the national champion. And that's where buys make a lot of sense. Maybe home field solves it. I don't know, but it, you can't, it would be a year to year thing with home field. Whereas if you had a guaranteed buy by winning that game, it's, it's locked in. Okay. So I'm going to try to paint a picture here and see if this would work. You go to 14 teams. Okay. And the top four teams seeds one through four, get a buy. And you have the big college football playoff reveal with those top four teams where you know that they're, they get a buy, they don't have to play in the first round. But then the bottom two seeds, so that'd be 13 and 14, have to play a play-in game. They play one game to move on to the next round. Then at that point, you've got an extra round with just two teams, and then they move on, and then you've got the buy with the opening round, and then everything moves on from there, and you go 4-4, four, 2-1 four, and one to get a national champion. That could potentially work, or maybe that'd have to be 16 teams. I don't really know, but you could do that where you've got the top four teams getting a bye, but then you've got the bottom seeds that have to do a play-in. And then really, ultimately, it's not even just one bye week for the top four teams. It ends up being two bye weeks for the top four seeds. And that could be something that, you know, if you are, I don't know, Michigan, for example, you could probably, you know, I think that they'd probably be on board with getting a couple of weeks off as the top seed potentially, you know, to be able to get that time to rest and get ready for the race to a championship. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think that it's – look, I, I love that these conversations are happening now for college football like they've been happening for all the other sports for a really long time, right? Like, all I want for college football is to see it grow and be successful. And some of the things that you know historically have pushed me more to the pro game like exist for the college game too, and – the the very first thing for me is is most fairly finding your national champion. That's always been at the at the heart of it for me. I hate that Cinderellas never have a seat at the table. Like why? Why would we starve ourselves of that amazing possibility of Boise State beating Oklahoma being some sort of playoff game to advance Boise State? Like getting that every year, that at least that opportunity is incredible. 
Look at what the bowl games have become. Nobody plays in them. Nobody cares about them. Like, we're, we're, we're starving ourselves of a legitimate postseason in college football, right? It's almost, it's so exclusive and always has been, it just turns off too much of the country. So I love that we're just able to now look at these things. It, it's like, a, a, you know, it's like the, a kid and the cookie jars open right in front of you. Like the possibilities for all of this are endless to grow this amazing sport that has always been regionally important to become nationally important. I think this helps all that, which in turn helps the schools, which in turn helps the players and the schools be able to, you know, whatever it looks like, compensate, like all the challenges that exist right now. A successful playoff model should help all of those things. And and it's going to be messy and it's going to all those things, but at least it's there. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, Tommy. Well, it still happens, right? At least it's four and not two. Where a group of people sat around and were like, yeah, you know what? I think these are the best two teams. Let's let them play. And before that, they didn't even have that. They were like, oh, we think this is, all right, season's over. We think that guy's national champion. Good, good job, everybody. Like, that's what we've been doing. It's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I think that, so again, if, if we talked about this before. You relate it back to March Madness to an extent. Because think about all the conversations that are happening right now and will continue for the next month, little, little less than a month from now. It's about bubble teams. Joe Lenardi has made an entire career based off of bubble teams, and it becomes this huge conversation for weeks at a time. Who's on the bubble? Who's the last four in? Who's the first four out? It's not going to be to that level with this for a playoff in college football, but the conversation will be about, okay, who's going to be number 14, number 13, as opposed to 15 or 16 and find themselves on the wrong side of it. And regardless of that, I think we know that those teams that are battling for a spot at the very bottom are probably not going to win a national championship in the same way that in March Madness, we know that, you know, these bubble teams, unless they just absolutely catch fire, are also probably not going to win a national championship. But we still have the conversation. What we've been having are conversations about teams that are on the outside looking in and they're number five or number six and could absolutely compete for a national championship. And they're, they're left on the outside, not able to compete for it. So I think that just by making this change, you're able to improve conversations around that narrative and you're able to, you know, really make the, the sport that much more exciting in a time when really like that, that's kind of been taken away from us for so many different years. It's just so frustrating. Tommy, why would – let's just look at it this way. March Madness, I think, I believe, is the second most valuable sports property on the planet. Well, at least in America. I don't know about on the planet, You know, excluding like World Cup and Olympics and all that stuff. March Madness is the second most valuable sports asset in America, right? Do you agree with that behind the – you know, behind the Super Bowl? Yep. So you've got the Super Bowl and slash, you know, NFL stuff, and then you've got March Madness. Why would that be when college basketball is not the second most valuable sport in America? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So, so you take this product that is not the second most popular thing that happens in American sports, 
yet it creates the second most valuable sports thing that we have in this country, which is March Madness. It happens because that tournament and that – like, Tommy, I would guess, and I'll, I'll bet you I understate this. I'll bet you I understate this. I would be willing to bet that 60% of the people that watch and consume March Madness do not watch one second of regular season college basketball. I would agree with that. And I think I might be underselling that yeah. number. I think it's probably more than that. I, I do too. But we'll, let's call it 60% because I don't have that research, and, and I'm pretty confident that it's at least that number. Yet they tune in and can, like like go nuts for it, like are crazy for it, right? We could achieve that to some degree. Same thing with college football if it's – now. You can't play games. You can't, like, they don't go back-to-back, and you don't do all that. And and Rick just brought up a good point with it that part of the reason we love March Madness, right, is because of the Cinderella story. But I don't think that's the biggest reason. I think the biggest reason is the bracket, number one, filling those out, having fun. It, 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 it is a social event. It is a pop culture event in this country, March Madness is. And yes, the Cinderellas add to it. And yes, it is far less likely to see Cinderella-type upsets in a college football playoff. But we're not talking about, you know, the 64th team beating the first team like we have seen a couple of times now in college basketball. We're talking about the 16th best team beating potentially, you know, the first best team. So you got to think about it that way, right? Like you're still talking about really, really good college football teams when you get there. Or in some situations, teams that had some sort of adversity early in the year, by the way, that came on real hot late and got in, those are dangerous teams to a one seed. So it's not like you're going to have the little sisters of the poor playing, you know, Alabama in a college football playoff. That's not going to happen. They will have been the, you know, they will have been essentially, if you took it to the college basketball tournament, it's like a four seed beating a one, not a, not a 16, it'd be because you've got, you know, all the individual brackets in, in the bigger bracket, but we have missed on that so badly. It's same. It's it, to a far, far, far lesser degree. Look at the college world series. You know, if you're talking about that, now you're talking about, you know, 90 to 95% of the country, probably not watching a second of college baseball, but a far greater number tunes in to the College World Series because it's more of an event, right? It's more of a water cooler type thing. We could take then with college football something that probably, you know, 40 to 50% of the country does care about or more, perhaps, and then add that same sort of flavor. I, I think that there is a world where that product could even surpass college basketballs. Maybe it doesn't, but it could probably come close, and it would come a whole lot closer than what it currently sits as. So that's why this is all exciting. It's going to amplify this sport that people like us already love, but it's going to amplify it hopefully in a way that draws more people into it and create. And that's what everybody wants. That, that literally benefits everybody. Benefits the fans. Benefits the schools, benefits the conferences, benefits the players, 
uh, as we make our way through how that compensation is going to happen to some, you know, to some level at some level. So I love it. And I love that the discussion's happening and it's only taken, you know, my whole life to get to this point, which is, again, just fascinating to me that that's the case. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. We got Tyler on the line, wants to chat uh, the CFP. Tyler, welcome into Sports Daily. What's on your mind? Thank you. Uh, I, I agree with you. I would go with a larger style bracket for college football. My suggestion is I personally like the idea of you take 20 teams, but it's actually a 16-team uh, bracket, and you have essentially four play-in games. So you end up having your, your 13 seed plays your 20 seed and so on until you get to the all four of those games. And I think that the setup for that is beneficial because you have your lower-ranked teams. Hopefully those are going to be more competitive games. You get your, your top four teams overall, get their buys uh, for the first week. And then, you know, then you're going to have, however it filters out from there, you're going to have your new overall ranking will play, you know, whoever the 16 seed becomes will now play the number one seed and so on and so hopefully the whole goal is that you want competitive games and versus if you have you know you start taking too many teams and now you got a one right off the bat paying a a 16 or a 20 and it's going to be probably pretty ugly so to me i think that that benefits one you get more games which sounds like more money and a better experience for the fans so you basically are keeping the top four seeds out until the lower seed tournament is, is done is so it's kind of a like multiple weeks of a buy for those top four teams. No, it's only one week of a buy because okay. you have, so if you have 13 playing 20, 14 playing 19, uh, 15 playing 18 and then 16 and 17 play each other. So once you go through that whole scenario, each of those teams play their game the very first week, okay. whoever wins, filters into the 16 spot 15 spot 14 spot 13 spot gotcha so one one through 12 don't i guess technically you could have uh one through 12 kind of gets a buy in that sense um but really you get a plan to get to the 16 because a 16 game uh bracket is it's the perfect bracket um at least in my personal opinion and then you get it to where now everyone plays through and i think it'll be more competitive and you get a little more of that Cinderella story potentially. Anything that brings a Cinderella, Tyler, I'm on board with it. Like I, I, I think it. You know, and it's again, it's not. It's less likely than in any other sport, probably, uh, to see uh, the Cinderella. But the possibility is always there. And 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 people don't act like we've never seen Cinderella bowl games before. When people actually cared about the bowl games, we saw Cinderellas. You know, once every couple years. Probably, maybe not quite that much, but it, it happens. I mean, it does. And again, the talent disparity in college football is getting better through the transfer portal. It just, it will. Like, it, it, you know, there aren't, there haven't been a lot of years where you could go into a season and if we're being honest, realistically say like, yeah, my team has a chance at a national championship. K-State and KU can feel that way next year, right? Like, you know, is it likely no. Is it likely to reach the CFP? It's not, not bad odds. And then you have to think, okay, well, if those two teams are healthy and at their best, could they in a one-game scenario take down team X, Y, or Z? Sure they could. Sure they could. I mean, we're, we see it all the time. TCU reached a national championship game based on players they didn't have on the roster the year before. I mean, there was a transfer portal team that reached that far into the season. So 
it's always possible, and I know they got smashed in the – you don't need to tell me they got smashed in the national – I know they got smashed, but they won the game before that against Michigan, right? So it's possible. And you know what? Here's the other thing, Tyler, Tommy. If some team gets through and gets smashed in the national championship game, that's been happening anyway. So who cares? We are. That's where we are now. So what difference does it make? We had great games leading up to that point. So what if the team, you know, if there's a team that just steamrolls everybody? But the reality is, with an expanded playoff, if there's incentives tied to reaching that playoff for the players, more players are going to go, go, going to want to go places and try to achieve that success. They're not going to want to do it sitting the bench somewhere. They're going to, going to be a part of it somewhere else, and the likelihood that they'll do it goes up too. Well, and to your point too that I, I just want to mention, you know, so Super Bowls, we've had blowouts in those two over the years. The Chiefs got blown out three years ago against the Bucks. It happens from time to time, you know, but there's never a conversation when that happens about, oh, we got to, you know, got to blow up the way that we get to this. You know, Seattle beat Denver in 2014 by 35 points. And, you know, nobody was like, okay, well, we got to change the way that we, you know, do the playoff system and the seedings and all of that. These things happen. Uh, but for some reason in college football, there's always this, you know, conversation and narrative about, oh, we're, you know, we got to avoid the blowouts. That's not good for the sport. And I just don't get that. Last word there, Tyler. Oh, I'm right here. I was going to make uh, just one last comment. The, okay. the more games that you guys have or the more games that are out there, then you'll have, in my personal opinion, you'll have fewer players that will sit out those games if they're competing for a national championship. So we as the fans get better products on the field. I think it's just a win-win all the way around. Yeah, well, it is. And and the other thing is to compensation to it. I mean, they're going to have to that, – that part is coming too. We're not going to have the problem – we've had in the past I don't think because they're going to get to the the point where these players are in, you know like you're playing these extra games make it worth it right like make and and there's all kinds of complications to that but yeah you're right at its at its core playing for something is generally enough motivation uh, for these guys so uh, it'll be good Tyler we appreciate the call uh, spitballing here on a Friday, um, love it. I, man, I am always so fascinated by this stuff. I, I, I love it. It interests me a great deal, so I appreciate everybody uh, hanging with us through that as we try and figure this thing out. Just call us. We'll get it done, uh, CFP committee or whoever it is that needs to be making these decisions. We'll, we'll just do it for you. Pro bono. Pro bono. Maybe not pro bono. We need uh, some swag or something. Like, you know, send us a, a water bottle. Or put us on the payroll. We can be consultants. I'm fine with that. I would absolutely welcome that. Yeah, we're, we, we'll, we, we, would, we would do that for you. Our great gift to society. All right, we'll come back. We'll look ahead to some of the college basketball this weekend. We've done that with K-State. We'll do it with Wichita State. We'll do it with KU. We'll return on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on a Friday, getting you ready for a big weekend out there. Um, college basketball is uh, is coming, and we talked about K-State earlier, Wyatt Thompson with us. Let's chat now about KU, because KU has got a big one. You know, KU is going to be in the NCAA tournament. There's no question about that. It's where do they land? 
Uh, how do they end up? Where can they play? Of course, everybody wants to see them in Omaha. Uh, are they a one seed? Are they a two seed? All of that stuff matters, and quite frankly, uh, can they continue and try to win a Big 12 championship and navigate the short bench and you know the rest Kevin McCullough might need right now? Kansas, two games behind Houston with one game against Houston to go. They'd need a little help there. They can control things against Iowa State, right? I think. Well, no, they they just get Iowa State once this year, and they lost. So they'll need help, and they'll they'll need help twice. They'll need help from both uh, Houston and Iowa State. But the, you, you know, we know how the Big Twelve is. I guess it starts there, Tommy. As and, and then we can get into Kansas playing Texas. What do you think the chances are that both Houston loses two games? and Iowa State loses one. Obviously, Kansas can take care of half of Houston's needs on its own, but it can't against Iowa State. So is Houston, even if KU beat, let's say KU beats Houston, is Houston going to lose then another game and Iowa State? I doubt it. That being said, though, it's not, you know, really the, the, the best likelihood for Houston is tomorrow's game against Baylor and then they also go on the road at Oklahoma. Those are probably the two toughest games remaining for Houston outside of the Kansas game, obviously, to wrap up the season. Uh, but one of those two games would probably be the only other chance that Houston would probably take a loss down the road, down the stretch. Uh, but of course, like you mentioned, the Jayhawks have to take care of business at Houston in the final game of the season. That's going to be easier said than done for the Jayhawks. So I think it's a, a pretty slim chance that you're going to see Houston lose two games in Iowa State, or, yeah, Iowa State lose one. You know, and here's the other thing, too. So you only play Iowa State, they beat you. You, you need them to lose twice, too, because if you end up in a tie mm -hmm. with them, there's the one head-to-head, -head yep. and they'd have you beat. So you need Iowa State to lose twice. Yeah, I think their, it's unlikely. Their remaining schedule is West Virginia, Oklahoma at home, at UCF, BYU at home, and K-State on the road. So it's not the most daunting remaining Big 12 schedule by any means. Um, you know, at UCF and at K-State and the rest of them are at home. The, the, the chances are, are – and, and we've talked about this for KU. So at what point do you maintain this sliver of hope to win a Big 12 regular season versus getting the appropriate rest for your, you know, thin-benched team with your most critical player nursing a knee injury? It, well, that's a, that's that, a tough balance. I think that kind of what you're doing now, um, because I think that it is unlikely that they're able to – overtake both Houston and Iowa State to win a, a conference championship. But I do think that for seeding purposes in the Big 12 tournament, you know, if they can solidify that number three seed and get Baylor out of the way, get Texas Tech out of the way, uh, who they're tied with right now, then I think that that's going to be, you know, a, a good likelihood for Kansas. Uh, the good thing is that both Baylor and Texas Tech, uh, th those two teams play each other in the final game of the regular season. So that will help. Uh, but of course, you know, you're going to need one of those or both of those teams to drop another game. So, uh, and you're going to need to continue to win yourself. So I think that if you can solidify third place and get that number three seed in the conference tournament, that's probably going to be best case scenario because, you know, yeah. like I mentioned before, like, I think it's unlikely that they can overtake both Houston and Iowa state, but I also think it's going to be fairly unlikely that they can overtake either one of them. 
do you even care about the seed in the Big 12 tournament? Because at that point, if you're Kansas, you're playing everything at a neutral court, and really you have a slight home court advantage probably playing in the Big yeah, 12 championship. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all, most important thing in the world. I mean, but, I think it means nothing. But I, I, I do As far think... as, like, importance of, like, if— Look, if Kevin McCullough— the, the most important thing is Kevin McCullough being healthy. Yeah. Agree? Like, sure. period, like, for the rest of the season, that is the most critical thing that can happen for Kansas. Win-loss, whatever. They're getting into the NCAA tournament. Their seat. I mean, I, I do think playing in Omaha helps. So, I mean, you definitely want to win games to maintain the ability to do that. And I think as long as they're a two-seed, they should, right? Because they're not, they shouldn't get bumped by anybody in that range to playing in Omaha that would have a better case at Omaha. I don't think, I mean, Iowa State, um, where does Iowa State, let me, let me pull up uh, Jerry Palm's bracketology uh, because I don't, I wonder if you're competing to some degree with Iowa State in your seating. So right now, Palm has Iowa State as a three and Kansas as a two. Uh, Iowa State's better in the net. Kansas has the same amount of quad one wins. Uh, Kansas has a a r- pretty pretty large strength of schedule. They have the sixth. Iowa State's is not bad. It's twenty third, but I would I would guess that that's why Kansas is getting the nod there by the bracketologists over Iowa State because a lot of what they're doing is going to be similar. And Iowa State is a team that would potentially there, Tommy, have a claim at Omaha, right? And then, you know, as you look at the ones, UConn, Purdue, Houston, North Carolina, you know, maybe it'll it'll be interesting. I think KU's got a good chance to play in Omaha. That that I do think is important, though, as we look down the stretch here. And finishing ahead of Iowa State in the bracketology is important because they may be yeah. able to bump Kansas out of Omaha. But if you can also make a run, and I don't care what your seating is, but if you can you know, make a run in the conference tournament, you know, and go make it to the finals or even win the big 12 tournament. Then at that point, you're, you're solidifying your case to be on the one line potentially. Oh, for uh, sure. For yes, March Madness. No so, you know, as far as, a, as importance goes, yeah, it's not the end all be all. And I don't think Kansas. And if you were to ask Bill self, honestly, I don't think he would say that the big 12 tournament is ever that important for the Jayhawks. I mean, I think maybe it gets you, some the tournament's not. going I think the regular into, season. I think the regular that, well, season is absolutely it is. I mean that's why they, they won they so like many conferences. That, they like but winning as, that Big Twelve tournament. They, they, do, they do, but as far as the overall like big picture importance of it, you know, it, it goes national championship, it goes regular season conference champion, and then it goes Big Twelve tournament. Probably so. Yeah. Probably so, so, but if you are able to win the tournament or even make it to the finals of the big 12 championship, then at that point you're solidifying your case for seeding on selection Sunday. So in that regard, yeah, it would be important. It's the, the difference for this year. Cause most years it's like, you just want to see Kansas do all of it. Right. There is the act. There are two things though. I think that are in the equation that may not normally be in the equation. And that's the health of your star player. And the fact that you are so thin otherwise that if they don't have McCuller, they have no chance to win a national championship. And so, like, that also looms for this team, right? That is something to factor in and consider that we aren't accustomed to considering for Kansas because usually, 
Like in most years, you've got one or two bench guys that can step in and help you. They don't have that this year. And and so I, I don't know how you balance that. I mean, really, I mean, if we're being honest, it most what's most important in that is what is the actual health of Kevin McCullers knee, right? If it's fine, then none of this really matters. But if it is something that rest will help, that time off will help. I think you got to at least consider it, and he's not going to want to do that. It's his last year of college basketball. He doesn't want to do that. So it, that that's a tough that's a tough thing to navigate. I think for the coaches, and probably you just trust McCuller, uh, but you got to trust your trainers too. And you got to trust the people telling you what's going to happen. You know, to if if you overdo it here down the stretch. The good news is this week they got a lot of rest. Right? Uh, they haven't played since uh, February seventeenth. So you've had six days off. You'll have seven days off, a full week before you play Texas at home. That should help McCuller. Uh, it's not the, you know, you, you then you play, I think it's the BYU game's a Tuesday. So that's kind of normal rest. So there's not the quick turnaround again that they'll face until they get to the conference tournament. That probably helps McCuller too and probably makes the decision easier because probably you can turn him loose a little bit more. But then you're going to hit that conference tournament, and it's going to be a thing. And if he's not 100% ready to roll, it could become a big thing making it into the postseason. I am really, really interested in this game tomorrow back in Allen Fieldhouse against Texas. And I'm this Texas team, it's been weird to me all season long because I'm not sure, and this might be a really bold statement, I'm not sure that there is a team in the Big 12 on paper, on paper, that has more talent than Texas. Maybe, I mean, Kansas has Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCuller. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, for sure there. Houston is obviously a really good collective team, but as far as individual players on paper, there is a tremendous amount of talent on this team. Max Smith transferred mm-hmm. to Texas. They've got Tyrese Hunter. They've got Dylan Mitchell. They've got Dylan Disu. They've got a ton of talent, but they have un perform this season they got blown out by 20 points against Houston last week you know and they barely beat Kansas State on Monday uh so you know there are I don't know just it's it's interesting to me and I I don't know if it's um you know just a, the job that Rodney Terry is doing is not living up to those expectations or really what it boils down to but looking at their roster like they've got a tremendous amount of talent on this team and they're just not I mean I know that they're kind of I think they're probably in the tournament as of right now. I don't think they're quite on the bubble uh, from what I can tell, but they're fairly close and I expected a lot more out of them. They, uh, here's what I would say. I think Texas, if they get in is just the right kind of team to make a run. Uh, Palm has them on the bubble, but near the okay, top. So they are on the bubble. the bubble. Okay. Yeah. But, but near the top of the bubble, he has them right now as a nine seed. Um, I, so, I do like Texas as a team to make a run in the tournament because you really lean into a very talented guard like Acemas at that point. However, I think KU's in a really good spot to win big tomorrow. You've had all the time off. You get it at home. Texas has been volatile, if nothing else, this year. You know, capable of of beating West Virginia by 40, essentially, but losing to Houston by 20. Right, they looked good against Kansas State. Um, I think Kansas is in a pretty good spot. I don't know what that line is. I'm sure it will end up around probably 
I don't know, six or seven if I had to guess. But I think Kansas is in a pretty good spot tomorrow. I, I like Kansas tomorrow. That being said, I agree with everything you said about Texas. And I do think they are, when you get to the conference tournament, if you're looking for a dark horse Big 12 conference tournament winner, Texas would be the team. You know, because but you know, I think of that they're just I, I think they're just as likely though to get bounced in the first round. I think that it's kind of that well, right, right, I think right, it's right. I think it's feast or famine for a team like Texas. Totally. And it's as agreed. inconsistent as they've been all season long, when they've looked good, they've looked really good. And when they've looked bad, they've looked terrible. And so it, I think it depends on what, what Texas team you're gonna get and who their opponent is any given game in the tournament. So I don't disagree with you that they're built to potentially make a deep run. But, man, I think if they come out flat, they are a team that could get bounced in the opening round. Absolutely. That, that Yeah, I say that because you'll get good odds on them. I, I don't think they're going to do it, but I do think they have the components of teams like we've seen that can go in and, and make noise. Athletic, great, uh, elder statesman at guard. Sound a little like, you know, K-State last yeah. year, right? You know, it's just, it, it, it's it's there. Uh, but I think KU is going to be in good shape tomorrow. All right, we'll continue as we roll forward a little on the Shockers and Temple uh, and then a look elsewhere in the sports world. Any other stories piquing our interest here uh, today? The Chiefs have a new punter. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit as we make our way through Sports Daily. everybody welcome back into sports daily glad to be with you tommy how much does it move the needle for you that the chiefs are moving on from tommy townsend uh they're changing punters here uh it is it is an interesting time i don't think it's a terribly a terribly big deal this one's headline grabbing because of who they're bringing in as much as who is headed out tommy townsend will always be fondly remembered for chiefs fans it's sort of like when they moved on from dustin colquitt i i remember having a conversation with uh, an old co-worker about how big a deal that was and they're trying i was like i don't think it's that big a deal the chiefs don't punt a ton anyway now i don't want to downplay like the role tommy townsend had he had some big plays through the postseason that had a big impact and for a while he was you know, one of the better punters in the league, Warren Sharp, pointed out yesterday that he had a bit of a down year last year in general. But it's more about who the Chiefs bring in, and it's the punt god you might remember, Matt Areza, who <sighs> dealt with a messy off-the-field situation. Uh, he was accused of some bad things. Those accusations and any legal proceedings were ultimately dropped. Uh, to the extent that he, he, I believe, held the door open to even counter Sue if need be. So that is all behind him. At one point, he would have been likely the most highly coveted punter um, because, of, because of just the kind of leg he has. He led the nation in punting average, FBS record 51 of more than 51 yards in 2021, had at least six punts of 70 yards. Again, I don't know how much that actually comes into play in the NFL, uh, it's more about where you can place it on on the other side. But, look, it's as big a, a name and resume for a punter as there is. But Tommy Townsend on his way out. Uh, Areza comes in. He'll cost them far less probably than Townsend would have. I don't think it should surprise anybody. But it is a headline grabber because of who they're bringing in, Tommy. 
Yeah, it's one of those situations where we know about the philosophy that Brett Beach typically has when it comes to paying players. It's been discussed all the time, uh, and it's it's very well known, very well documented. And the amount of money, more than likely, that Tommy Townsend is a punter is going to garner on the open market. Uh, and just with his flair and personality and all of that, I mean, I think there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to want to jump at that and pay him. And it's going to be prohibitive, I think, for Kansas City to give him, you know, the money that he is wanting and the money that he, you know, honestly, he probably deserves because he's a, he's a really good punter. Um, it, it's one of those expendable positions. And if you can bring in a guy like Matt Ariza, who is trying to rehabilitate his image and, you know, was kind of in a situation that was unfortunate for him now that he's been completely exonerated from all of that, um, he's got a he's got a tremendous amount of talent himself. It makes a lot of sense for Kansas City to take a uh, take a run at this instead of having to pay all that money to Tommy Townsend. I mean, it's priorities, right? If it, if if you can save any money at punter that helps you with your other spots of need, you do it. And so it, it didn't surprise me. I, I always thought we were going to be saying goodbye to Tommy Townsend as I saw the list of free agents because Colquitt, same thing happened with Colquitt. And I hope Townsend goes and has success and finds a spot and does all those things. But the Chiefs move on. And, and again, Tommy, the likelihood is we're not going to see Areza very often. I don't think, you know, this may have been the season where the Chiefs were the most inclined to punt ever in the Patrick Mahomes era. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That I, I don't think that they want to continue to play that way offensively. They were forced to. They're going to do everything they can this offseason to sort of make punting a last-case scenario again uh, as they move forward because they want to be able to be aggressive and do some of the things they've always been able to do offensively that they just weren't able to do this year at that position. Uh, I mean, it's it just none of this should surprise us, but, you know, Areza, he— he is an attention grabber, but all of that situation that sort of put him in the spotlight to begin with seems to be behind him uh, and and him clear of any wrongdoing in any of it, as far as I can tell. So um, the Chiefs have a history of taking guys in who have, you know, checkered past. I don't know if it's fair to call his past checkered past because everything was dropped. Um, so I don't, I, you know, whatever. Uh, the Shockers, Tommy, we, we talked a ton about the Shockers this week. It's a game against Temple. For me, like, just do what you did against Tulsa, please. Like, just come in, gas to the pedal to the pedal to the metal, never let up, big win, wire to wire, all that stuff, and get that first back to back win since late November. Yeah, I get it, and we talked about it yesterday. That momentum is probably the most important thing right now for this program because they haven't had any of it. The entire season. I mean, I guess you could go back all the way to November where, you know, they strung together a couple of wins at the same time, but it's been few and far between. It's really that that hasn't really happened, especially in conference play. And, you know, we're not talking about a bunch of games in a row. We're talking about two. You got one now get two, uh, you know, against an opponent that beat you earlier this season. But you are, again, objectively better than so that's all in place for them. It's right Should in front be. of them. They're at home. Should be Should objectively be. better. Than, they, yeah. They've they just have they got to reach out and take it like they took it against Tulsa on Wednesday. It's it's what needs to happen, and of course you'll hear it on KEYN 
Um, if you missed it last night, you know, go check out TJ Cleland's story for us at 12 News on Mike Kennedy. It's fantastic. Really good stuff there. Uh, sat down with Mike. It was, you know, it's about the diagnosis that he that he told us about, but it's more about and ended up being just like a blast down memory lane of some of the cool moments for Mike over the years. It's really cool. Check it out, Shocker fans. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, I think I, I shared it on my Facebook page. It's an easy way to find it. Or you can just go to 12 News. It's right there on the website. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll tell you everything that's coming up this weekend next on Sports Daily.